Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Contrary to high-profile headlines about sliding sales of meat alternatives, consumer demand for plant-based products across categories continues to climb. But for the segment to reach its full potential and continue expanding its consumer base, New research suggests that brands and retailers must improve access to reliable, accurate information about how their products are made, the value they offer, where to find them, and how to prepare them. According to data from Spins and Numerator Insights presented this fall at Natural Products Expo East, pandemic adoption of the plant-based proteins created a short-term hype with household penetration excluding tofu jumping from 16.4% in the first quarter of 2019 to 21.1% in the first quarter of 2020, followed by 22.3% and 23.5% in Q1 of each of the following years. In the back half of 2022, household penetration dropped sharply to about 20% in Q4, but the difference over three years remained strong with penetration up 41% from 2019. Looking forward, the data suggests the segment is back on track to produce long-term organic and steady growth of 1-2 to two percentage points per quarter from the fourth quarter of 2022 projected through the end of 2025. During this time, sales of plant-based foods grew 6.6% to $8 billion dollars, capturing 4.5% of dollar and unit share, according to SPIN's data, for a compound annual growth rate of 13% between 2019 and 2022. These numbers show that the 1% decline in plant-based meat in the U.S. in 2022 over the prior year were more than offset by strong gains in other categories, including an 8.5% increase in plant-based milk, a 24% increase in creamer, a 15% increase in butter, and a 13% increase in plant-based bars. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Shannon Weiss, the lead consultant and insights account manager for Kroger's Retail Data Science Insights and Retail Media Company, 84.51, and Kathy Rescheidt, the senior vice president of consumer insights and trends at Acosta Group, share what is behind these numbers. They share what's driving sales of plant-based products, what challenges are holding the segment back, and strategies for overcoming those hurdles for long-term growth. To better understand how consumers' approach to plant-based products are shifting and displacing animal-based products, Kroger's 8451 and the Plant-Based Foods Association teamed up to conduct a migration analysis, the third wave of which was released at Natural Products Expo East. Looking at the year-over-year shopping trends between 2019 and 2020, and again between 2020 and 2021, and 2021 and 2022, Weiss explains that perceived drop-off in plant-based sales post-pandemic is not as dire as some might believe, and that the extent of the next era of plant-based foods is full of promise. So the Plant-Based Foods Association and 8451 have collaborated on several types of research over the past years, um, really to gain a better understanding of the landscape of plant-based consumers, their unmet needs, and how they're engaging online in the category. And 
One big goal of this collective body of work is to share how the industry can focus their efforts on continued um, growth. You know, it's a fuel engine, right? So how do we continue to grow plant-based foods in general, as well as the different categories, the different segments, the different product types that, you know, we are purchasing in, in uh, the grocery space. So kind of unpacking that, you know, starting with the migration analysis, we've conducted the third year. And, you know, I would have to say that collectively, over time, plant-based foods continues to grow. And there are a lot of different data points out there in, in the marketplace that, you know, 2019, steady growth, the pandemic hit, it caused a lot of disruption in our industry, a lot of disruption in grocery in general. Um, and that, for plant-based foods, really accelerated sales and households. Um, there are a lot of different customers coming into the category um, because everybody was sequestered at home. They couldn't do anything um, really outside of the home. So they were preparing meals. They were trying new items. Um, health was a top concern during this time. No surprise because everybody was worried about the coronavirus. So they were seeking out healthier options as well. Um, I might also add that some categories, like our conventional animal-based categories, uh, they experienced a lot of out-of-stock issues. So during that time, customers were also going, okay, what else can I try to help solve the center plate issue I'm experiencing with getting dinner on the table? So coming out of the pandemic, we're kind of in this new era. And over time, it's still continuing to grow. And that's what we're all, you know, should be focused on in this moment is how do we continue that growth? To answer that question, why said Kroger's 8451 and the Plant-Based Foods Association first needed to identify why new consumers were trying plant-based products. And what about those products keep shoppers coming back? Health is the number one reason why consumers are shopping for and purchasing plant-based foods. And that stretches across all generations who are purchasing plant-based foods, not just in-store, but online as well. They care about their personal health and they care about the health of the environment. So demand is really being driven from a health-focused approach. Research by Acosta backs up this observation and underscores the importance of animal welfare and environmental sustainability in driving plant-based purchases, especially for younger consumers. Consumers are relating to things that have broader wellness just beyond just themselves or just the earth. If something's good for them, good for their family, good for the earth, and good for animals, such as plant-based is perceived, you have a real appealing prospect for consumers that are caring more and more about those things collectively. So like there's a, um, a part of our research when we specifically said what's influencing plant-based eating, the number one thing is going to be health. So health reasons is the number one reason, health and nutrition concerns. Um, but next after that is concern about the welfare of animals and wanting an environmentally friendly option. So you've got all of those things playing together there as working together to make um, plant-based appealing. Uh, Plant-based products 
are more appealing to the younger consumers, the millennials and Gen Z, than the older um, the older consumers. And that has has remained true in our, our newest study. It, it's always, we're always seeing much higher numbers of adoption and interest with the, the younger shoppers. And so as more and more Gen Zs turn 18 plus and enter that real world of spending on themselves and, and having to manage their own household and food budget, um, I think that is it uh is is part of it, positive in terms of of future opportunity it also is um you know it's, when you think about why it's just you think about particularly gen z's have grown up kind of surrounded by that type of news and headlines of that food uh that food whether it's it's animal based or not animal based can be made to be healthier and better for you. And there's just been a lot more attention on health and food, um, uh, the way food is, is brought, you know, through that whole supply chain from, from the moment of when it's, it's, it's grown or sourced. So I just think that the age distinction is always uh, an important one, an important one to think about. While each of these drivers promise long-term growth, research from Kroger and Acosta suggests brands and retailers need to lean more heavily into these attributes through education, storytelling, and innovation to counter significant headwinds that threaten sales of plant-based products. Price, for example, is a significant barrier for many consumers, which Reichert says brands and retailers can counter by more clearly highlighting the benefits or value propositions of their products. The uh, very common topic right now of affordability of the just the perception that they can't afford to buy is is the the biggest barrier um, and that there is it's basically the number one reason why they say they're not buying is that plant based products are too expensive and in this environment of inflation impact I mean we're we're seeing this impacting. Um, across all all parts of the store and all types of products, but definitely saw it rise to the top in this study as well. If you take their attention off of the price point and better convey the benefits, the total value proposition, you're going to be in a much more um, uh, advantageous position. So taking their, their attention off of the, the price and more on the value proposition is where you emphasize whether it's nutritional benefit, the health aspects, um, the, you know, how it's sourced or the, I mean, the good for you aspect, the good for the environment. So all the things that they say are meaningful to them, the more that brands can specifically communicate and retailers can communicate the value proposition of plant-based, um, it's, it's, it's going to, uh, just, you know, diminish the attention or reduce the attention on uh, the, the the price value equation. And there's a a volatile trend right now in the price of, of regular meat. Um, if you look at pricing, it was super high at the beginning of the year. Prices have come down. And so obviously plant-based brands need to pay close attention to that because they the consumers are looking at that gap. And so that that's varying over time. That just makes it a complicated 
marketplace right now is, is to continually be tracking the price gap um, because shoppers are spending a lot of time looking at prices and value and what they can afford. So that's an important one to follow as well. You know, we do see that that shoppers are buying more private label um, across the store. And we also see some innovation, but interest in private label plant-based. So I think that's a, a little silver lining for some retailers that have introduced private label plant-based. It, it plays nicely with the affordability challenges with plant-based. According to Weiss, the quality of plant-based products and concerns about ingredients and processing are also top challenges that the industry must address. Customers are telling us that, you know, taste, texture, and variety are still pain points in the plant-based food industry. They are turned off by different additives, artificial ingredients, and fillers. They have higher expectations and are looking for cleaner label products. Of these two, Raishad argues brands should prioritize tackling taste and texture because she says the debate about overprocessing is still at the industry level and is less prevalent among consumers. There's, it's interesting, there's some talk, and this doesn't come up a tremendous amount in our research about, you know, are um, our plant-based products overprocessed or not? And we don't really get a lot of that. That's, that's more kind of industry discussion. It's, you know, I would say consumers are a bit, a bit simpler. They just want to make sure they understand what's in it. What are the ingredients and helping me understand, you know, if it's healthy for me, is this safe for me to eat? They're avoiding certain things. They want to avoid the negatives. Uh, and so they're looking at labels a lot. And so that's really the, the key area of, of knowledge and information. Um, and they do want to know what's new to try. There is still room for innovation across all of it. The, the interesting thing about meat is there is a, the more of a challenge to the industry innovating on meat to make sure they deliver on taste because, um, if innovation has been coming out there, there, we saw more reasons for, um, maybe walking away from meat or not buying as much plant-based meat. Um, we saw some taste comments come up more than we did in alternative milks. Alternative milks don't seem to have as much of that barrier. So what that means is there may be uh, entrants into plant-based meat that haven't been so satisfying to the triers who um, who then, you know, then some of those items may cycle through, but it, it leaves room for innovation for better meat replacements, new innovation, better um, advancements in taste delivery where there's there's going to be a, a happier, more satisfied uh, consumer, if you will. She noted the type of innovation consumers are most interested in depends in part on how heavily invested in plant-based eating they already are. So for example, she said, those who are flexitarian, vegetarian, or vegan are most likely looking for more options beyond the center of the plate, while those who are newer to the space will focus first on staples. When we look at those who are already embedded, like maybe already have been buying plant-based alternative alternative milks or meats for 
a couple of years or more, they're going to be interested in things like chili or soup um, or snacks as additional things that they would like to expand and see innovation in. Whereas newer or prospective plant-based users are going to gravitate to um, concepts that are milk or creamer or protein shake alternative. So kind of in that dairy space of which is a comfortable space to expand into um, plant-based, but also pizza, interestingly. So we thought that was pretty interesting to see. Now there, that's just to say that's a slight different nuance. Um, I will say that all of the concepts surprisingly had decent levels of interest. So it's just that we, we did see some, some differences depending on how far along the, the curve they are. Limited access to plant-based products is another significant challenge which brands and retailers must work together to address with better in-store signage and broader selection both in retail and online. Reichert notes improved signage in stores will also help reassure consumers who are concerned about how plant-based products are made or who are unclear about how to use and prepare them. A good example that retail, where retailers are, are trying to be more clear in the communication um, with signage, like, you know, whether it's uh, having something flagged as a plant-based section or a plant-based flag on certain products. I think it's that type of clarity uh, helping the con- consumer along um, will will be important. And so um, I think that's, I'm I'm always about kind of over communicating, making things especially clear at retail so that the shopping experience becomes more enjoyable and easier versus more complicated and stressful. Weiss says she sees significant potential to educate consumers about, boost access to, and drive sales of plant-based products through e-commerce, noting that digital really helps level the playing field for the entire industry. To better understand how consumers search for plant-based foods online and how digital could support the industry, Kroger's 8451 and the Plant-Based Foods Association measured e-commerce behaviors across nine plant-based categories and their corresponding animal-based products for 12 weeks with 1.4 million households. Important terminology to keep in mind on how we define path to purchase is that we define it as pathways shoppers go through from the moment they enter Kroger's online properties, either web or app, to the moment they engage with an item, they add it to their cart, or even purchase it. So think about the journey the customer goes on digitally. And then we define engagement as any type of interaction with plant-based foods on digital properties. That includes searching in the search bar, clicking on a product to learn more, or even browsing the different plant-based sections. So think of that as the interaction. Um, Whenever there's a click or scroll, that's an engagement. So it's really a fascinating piece of work because there's a lot of application for CPGs, holistically speaking. Um, We found that the app outperformed the web on engagement at a rate of four to one. We found that the add to cart feature outperformed, you know, the app outperformed web five to two. And then the biggest call out was that, you know, the app 
outperformed web two to one. Now customers are shopping across both, so it's really important that you have a strategy that engages both app and web um, to meet all customers' needs and find them where they are. When looking into the path to purchase, we found that the search, meaning like the search bar, was the most utilized. Over 50% of engagements started with search. So it's really important that you're attributing your products correctly and um, customers know what terms to use to find you. The second um, engagement we found was the did you forget, and then the third was recent purchases as reminders for customers to add those products to their cart. What was really interesting is that the top seven search terms out of 10 were for plant-based milk and milk alternatives. Almond milk dominated the search terms with nearly 20% of all plant-based terminology. Next came oat milk at collectively at 8% and then tofu. It's worth noting that we saw spelling variations for certain key search terms where some customers might consider the term as two separate words and other customers might search for it as like one compound word. Oat milk is the perfect example of that. Some customers treat oat milk as one word, others treat oat milk as two. So this is really important, again, for how CPGs should be attributing and describing their products online so they're more searchable, um, not just on like the Kroger digital properties, but also for search engine optimization and other search functions. Some of the key words that were also associated with tofu when we look further on the list were firm, extra firm, baked, silken, and organic. And it's really interesting to think about that because when you're thinking about a wide variety of textures, it appears that consumers know exactly what they're looking for and have ideas in mind for how they want to prepare those items. So, for example, like silken can be used in smoothies or in baking in addition to their traditional uses as like soups and savory sauces. So when we saw that search, when we saw this information come through, um, that is also important to keep in mind when you're attributing your products for search. Now, this will look different for different commodities. So when we started to peel back and go deeper with the 8451 clickstream analysis, we found that in um, the plant-based dairy commodity, plant-based yogurt, plant-based cheese, and plant-based ice cream were searched, and other terms that came along for the ride with them were dairy-free, which makes sense to anyone who's in the dairy space. <laughs> And I would also say that if you think about cheese as a concept, um, plant-based cheese, the search term that was mostly, mostly associated with that was vegan, vegan cheese. So depending on um, where your, what your commodity is, what your product is, really think through those important buzzwords and search terms to help consumers find you easier. And I would also say um, some some consumers are looking for plant-based as a search term or made from real ingredients. 
The diversity of the terms, associated descriptions, and even spelling variations used to find plant-based products reinforce the key takeaways for growing the plant-based segment, including cohesive messaging and education about how to prepare and use plant-based products and increased access to and innovation around plant-based options. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.